Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today we'll be covering the case of missing five-year-old Summer Wells. This has been one of the most requested cases I've ever had, and I don't normally cover cases that are this recent and still ongoing, but seeing how much speculation there's been and how many rumors are going on around this case, we're going to dive into the facts. No speculation, no rumors, just the facts of the case. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. To start off, Summer Wells is a five-year-old little girl who went missing on June 15th of this year, 2021, in Rogersville, Tennessee. Before we jump into the details of the day she went missing and the search that's followed, let's talk a little about the area she went missing from. The sheriff's department involved is the Hawkins County Sheriff's Department. Summer's home is in Rogersville, which is actually a little town within Hawkins. Rogersville, Tennessee is just under four square miles with a population of around 4,400 people. To give you an idea of how small that is, my graduating class had over 700 people in it and we didn't live in a huge county. The average income per household in Rogersville is roughly $39,000 a year. For the state of Tennessee as a whole, the medium income per household is around $53,000 a year. When I looked up the crime rates in the area, it looked like drugs and alcohol were major contributing factors to most of it, but theft was also up there. Summer's home, where she lived with her parents, Candace and Don, and her three older brothers, is off of Ben Hill Road in an extremely rural area. There's a lot of farmland, densely wooded areas, hills, and mountains. Summer's home is a 780-square-foot house in the middle of an 11-acre lot, and the home is set on this circular clearing in the middle of that lot. It's secluded from the road, but not too far from it. There is obviously a front door because it's a house, but there's also a back door coming out from the basement of the house. The house was built on a hill, so there's a lower level that peeks out from the back. There are also some outbuildings as well as a camper that sits to the side of the house on the clearing, and Summer's maternal grandmother lives in that camper. I ran a report on the home itself, and the assessed value is a little over $10,000. And now that we have a picture of the area and Summer's home, let's get to the case. WCYV interviewed Summer's Sabbath teacher, who said that Summer was a happy little girl with a ton of energy. She showed the station a really pretty silver and yellow necklace that Summer had given her on Mother's Day and said that Summer's family didn't have much, but they gave a lot. The entire Wells family is really big into church. It's a small congregation, but they all seem extremely close. The family attended every week, and it also looks like they might have gone throughout the week as well for things like Bible study. WJHL spoke to both Don and Candace, Summer's parents, who described her as the boss of the family. They talked about how she loved her older brothers and could keep up with them as they rode their bikes around the property. In a video on Candace's TikTok, you can see exactly this happening. One of her brothers is riding a dirt bike in the clearing when Summer stops him and then chases after him on his bike. The family honestly looks like they're having a really good time in this video. I wasn't originally going to include Candace's TikTok videos in this episode because I wanted to stay away from any speculation or rumors, but her TikTok has been verified by Candace and she gave permission to news outlets to use it, so I'm including them in the episode. 
I won't be discussing any Facebook screenshots because fake accounts have been made and frankly they're rabbit holes into the center of the earth that you'll never be able to climb out of. This case is like nothing I've ever seen and it seems like the wild theories have gotten so out of hand that people are starting to forget what's a fact and what isn't, which again is why we're here. So let's move on. The photo on the missing persons poster for summer is of a beautiful little blonde-eyed girl with gorgeous blonde hair. However, after she went missing, the most recent photo shared of her was of Summer with a shaved head. Now, people went all out speculating why her head was shaved, but both Candace and Dawn spoke out about her semi-recent haircut. In an interview with WJHL, Candace said that Summer shaved her head to look like mom. Dawn said, and said with a lot of confidence, that Summer had tried to shave her own head. When she did this, it naturally looked a little off, so they tried fixing it. In a TikTok video on Candace's account from March 17th of 2021, you can see the back and sides of Summer's hair have been shaved and that they tried to cut it so that the top was still somewhat long and could still be styled. But her dad mentioned that it wound up getting out of hand, so they shaved it, and that Candace wound up shaving her head too so that Summer wouldn't feel bad. In a TikTok video Candace posted of herself on March 30th, she looks to have a pretty freshly buzzed haircut, which has since grown out at a pretty normal rate. So, Summer's dad's story seems to be pretty reliable, even if Candace's was a little bit different. Generally, I wouldn't spend so much time looking into the timeline of a haircut, but this has been a big source of speculation online, so there it is. The days and months leading up to Summer's disappearance can be somewhat followed by her mother's TikTok account. On March 24th, it looks like they were either in or had recently been to Utah, which is where Dawn used to live before moving to Tennessee. The video was of a slideshow of pictures of the kids in different scenic areas around the state. On March 25th, it looks like one of their dogs had puppies. Candace mentions in later interviews that she has eight dogs. In one video, I counted five puppies, so three adult dogs and five puppies. On March 31st, Candace posted a slideshow of all four kids at different stages in their life from when they were babies until now. Summer was the most photographed child in that slideshow and showed her as a really happy baby with parents who loved putting her in bows. In one photo, she was maybe a few months old and holding a bunch of them. Even though Candace and Dawn don't have much, Summer was photographed in a baby bouncer and on a tummy time mat. The background music to this video was Don't Blink, for those of you who don't listen to country music, it's a song essentially telling you not to blink because your kids grow up fast. On May 2nd, Candace posted a video of the boys on the front porch and out in the yard, one playing with the puppies, one boy riding a dirt bike, and somewhere in their little pool that came up about to her waist. Three days later, Candace posted another collage video, but this time it was photos of only Summer. The song in the background was Never Grow Up by Taylor Swift. Some of the lyrics are, don't you ever grow up, stay this little, and don't you ever grow up, it could stay this simple. On May 28th, Candace took a video of Summer dancing, running, and skipping in the rain. The background music was a song about country girls not being afraid to get dirty. There's honestly nothing suspicious about these videos. I mean, people can pick apart the fact that there was junk in the yard or how dirty Summer got playing outside, but being poor isn't a crime, and we're not here to point out and pick apart what poverty looks like in America. On June 11th, four days before Summer went missing, Candace posted a video of four kids playing on a slip and slide in the yard. Their yard, someone else's yard, who knows, but it was a slip and slide and the kids looked like they were having fun. On June 13th, two days before Summer went missing, Candace posted a pretty much pitch black video except for the sound of thunder, rain, and the occasional flash of lightning. 
In the business of being thorough, I checked the historical weather data for the area that day, and at 10.53 p.m. that night, there was a storm. So her videos do seem to be posted as they're taken. The last video posted by Candace before Summer went missing was actually on the day she went missing. It's a video of Summer swimming in what looks like a pond, and at one point in the video, you see a teenage boy. We'll explain him later. Candace refers to this bit of water as Warriors, so I looked up Warriors Pond, Tennessee, and got Warriors Pass State Park, which is not far from where they lived. Now that we've covered the months and days leading up to Summer's disappearance, let's focus on the day that she went missing, which is June 15th, 2021. According to an interview Candace did with the Rogersville Review, Candace took her mother to the ER that morning because she was having some problems with her knee. She took Summer with her. When they got to the ER, Candace dropped off her mom, and instead of waiting in what she refers to as a hot truck, she and Summer drove to a friend's house. They stayed there until it was time to pick up Grandma, and when they left, her friend's 14-year-old son came with them. In an interview with WJHL, Candace mentioned something about the 15-year-old not wanting to spend time with one of his family members, so he opted to come along with Candace and Summer. Candace says she picked up her mother with Summer and the 15-year-old in tow and drove across town to Walgreens to drop off her mom's prescription. She was told it would be about a 30-minute wait. And wanting to avoid sitting in another hot vehicle, Candace says they went on an impromptu trip to Warriors to hop in that pond and cool off. Neither Summer nor the 15-year-old were wearing a bathing suit because this was not planned. Candace says they stayed there for about 15 to 20 minutes before heading back to pick up Grandma's prescription. They then went to Priceless, dropped the 15-year-old back off with his family, and headed back home. On the drive home is where Candace says the last picture of Summer was taken. She had a buzzed haircut, is wearing a pink shirt, and is asleep in the back seat of the truck against some jugs of milk. There's been a ton of speculation about what happened at the pond that day, and I've heard it referred to as a lake, a watering hole, a pond, whatever. It's a really small body of water. Candace made reference in the Rogersville Review interview about how the 15-year-old boy has come out and said something about Summer slipping on a rock in the water and being under for 20 seconds, but Candace says that that's not true and she's not sure why he would make that story up and she seems pretty pissed off about it, saying that even if Summer did slip, she would have just stood back up. And for what it's worth, the water that Summer was in was less than waist deep in that TikTok video and Summer didn't seem to be a stranger to the water. At one point, you can see her hop from her feet onto her belly while she was playing around. So if she did slip, Candace is probably right that she would have just stood back up. Knowing that Summer went missing later that evening, people have torn that last known photo of her apart, theorizing that she was actually dead when the photo was taken. I've seen people overexpose the picture and speculate that shadows and stains on Summer's clothes and the seatbelt were actually blood. But let's break this down. When Candace told the story of the day that Summer went missing, she made a lot of statements that could easily be proven wrong if she was lying. If Summer died at the lake after going under for 20 seconds, she wouldn't have been seen moving on any CCTV footage from the Walgreens or the Priceless. Knowing that Candace had avoided hot vehicles twice that day, she likely either took her mother, Summer, and the boy into Walgreens or through the drive-thru to pick up the prescription. Both options would have cameras. This is a pharmacy. Candace said they then went to Priceless, and knowing how absurdly expensive everything is at Walgreens, even though they try to trick you with their buy-two-get-one-free thing, it's more than likely that she got the milk in the photo on their second stop, Priceless. Priceless looks a lot like a food lion, and they would have likely also had CCTV footage, 
Not to mention there would have been at least two other witnesses, the 15-year-old boy and Candace's mother. That being said, there's been no official mention of the review of any CCTV footage, but if Candace was making any of this up, it would be pretty easy to disprove. But let's get back to the events of that day. According to Candace's interview with the Rogersville Review, after dropping off her friend's son, she, her mother, and Summer went back to their home on Ben Hill Road. When they got back, Candace says the boys were watching YouTube, as boys do, and Grandma, Candace's mother, wanted to rearrange and plant some flowers. In a photo from WATE, it looks like they have a little mini garden out by Grandma's camper on the side of the house. They have some plants growing in a few planters and in a plastic tote. Candace, Grandma, and Summer did some gardening, and once they were done, they went inside of Grandma's camper. Candace says Summer asked for a piece of candy and then said she wanted to go back to the house and watch YouTube with her brothers. According to Candace, she walked Summer halfway to the door and watched her walk inside, saying she could see the boys at the kitchen table. She said she yelled to the boys to watch Summer and that she'd be right back after she fixed Grandma's knee brace. Candace says she helped her mom for another two to six minutes before leaving the camper and going inside the house. When she got inside, she noticed Summer wasn't with the boys, so they asked them where she was. They told her that Summer had gone down to the basement to play with her toys. In another part of the interview, it sounds like Summer might have asked one of her brothers to come play down there with her, but he declined. Candace says that she yelled down to Summer, but she didn't answer, which seemed odd because Summer always answered. So Candace went down into the basement to check on her and see why she wasn't answering. But Summer wasn't there. She wasn't anywhere, and the basement door that came out of the back of the house was unlocked. Candace says she freaked out and started looking outside everywhere, the boys helping, going down to the creek to see if they could find her. But no one could. Candace says she called Don, Summer's father, who was still at work at this point, and told him what was going on. He told her to call 911, and around 6.30 p.m., she did. There are a few pieced-together versions of the story that have been floating around, some of Candace walking Summer all the way to the door and some of Candace walking only halfway to the door, some stories where the boys are on the computer, some where they're watching TV, and others where they're watching YouTube. But honestly, you can pick apart every single detail of every single version until you're blue in the face, but the major details remain the same. That Summer went inside, told the boys she was going downstairs to play with her toys, and a few minutes later, she was gone. The police responded immediately, and this isn't one of those cases where you have a small-town department staking claim over a case and refusing outside resources. It's actually the exact opposite in Summer's case. Straight off the gate, the Sheriff's Department, the TBI, and the FBI were looking for Summer. The FBI being involved in the search doesn't necessarily mean that anything major was going on behind the scenes. They simply have a very skilled, specialized, rapid deployment team for possible child abductions. A little after 9 p.m. on the night that she went missing, June 15th, the TBI sent out an endangered child alert. Summer was listed at 3 feet tall and 40 pounds with shaved blonde hair, blue eyes, and wearing gray pants, a pink shirt, and possibly barefoot. It was late, hot, and dark, and it had been a few hours since Summer had been seen, so she was listed as endangered, which allows an alert to be pushed to the public. Law enforcement needed the public to be on the lookout for Summer, especially nearby, in case she wandered off and got lost, which is definitely a possibility when you look at the terrain in the area. WJHL reports that the roads coming into and out of the area were blocked off as searches began on foot, a helicopter flew above and the public was asked to avoid the area. 
A command post was set up two miles east of the house at a church, and a joint information center was set up two miles west of the house at another church. Within the first 24 hours of Summer's disappearance, WJHL reports that more than 100 people across 19 different agencies were helping search for her. During the initial searches, it became absurdly apparent that they were going to have communication issues. At a press conference, search officials noted that a lack of cell and radio service made it difficult for them to communicate between searchers and agencies. However, enter Verizon and AT&T to the rescue, who brought in service boosters to the command centers. The searching went on into the following day and into the following night, following up on more than 30 tips from the public, but not a single trace of summer was found. Canines were brought to the home, and according to the Kingsport Times News, Don says that they tracked Summer's scent down to a dog path they have on the property, but then it was lost. This was the only real comment we've gotten at all about the canines and what they did or didn't find on the property. A press conference was held that, for the most part, detailed the efforts being put into the search for Summer. Planes, helicopters, drones, heat-seeking equipment, you name it, they used it. They made it clear that Summer's family was cooperating and that they had no evidence of where Summer might be or what might have happened to her. They had no suspects and no reason to suspect foul play. They asked that anyone in the area please share any security or trail cam footage that they might have with the police and to check in any outbuildings, sheds, or crawl spaces on their property for any evidence of Summer having been there. In that press conference and the press conferences that followed, they urged the public not to search the area on their own. Aside from the obvious that trained professionals know how to preserve evidence when found, the terrain of the area surrounding Summer's home is unfathomable. Search and rescue teams were doing grid searches in tall grass, overgrown areas of thickets and briar patches, and according to WVLT, even rappelled down mountain cliffs looking for Summer. The outlet reports that it was taking them, on average, two to three hours to search one mile being asked to stop every few steps to listen and smell. During the question portion of one of the press conferences, law enforcement said that there was no evidence of an abduction. And I want to stress that this was an answer to a direct question. This wasn't an indicator that anyone was under suspicion, because in another question, they said that everyone was a person of interest until they find Summer. They had two operations running simultaneously the search for Summer, and the investigation into her disappearance. At the time of this particular press conference, 50 tips had already been investigated, and unfortunately, none of them had led to anything. One reporter at the press conference asked about Summer's father, Don, and whether or not his criminal record was irrelevant. And the sheriff said that it was not irrelevant. This started a media avalanche into Don's past. Don's arrest history looks to be pretty centered around controlled substances and theft. However, as recently as October of 2020, Candace called the police on him for domestic assault. From what I can piece together from WJHL in a piece from the Kingsport Times News, it looks like they each thought the other was cheating, which led to an argument that may have gotten physical. The Kingsport Times News reports that when police got to the house, they found Don driving drunk in his driveway and inside of his glove box, they found a pistol, which is a no-no because he was a felon. 
In a written statement, the outlet reports that Candace wrote that Don drinks and throws things and that she's afraid of being hurt, saying he's mentally and physically abusive towards her and that she was afraid for her children and herself. The Kingsport Times News reports that Candace's mother also filed for a protective order against Don around the same time. The domestic violence charges were dropped by Candace a week later, and Don told WJHL that Candace went to the DA and the judge asking for them to be dropped, saying that Candace didn't get hurt and that he didn't hurt anyone. And while the domestic charges were dropped, the gun charge stuck, which Don pled guilty to in April of this year. And just because it's going to come up if you Google Summer's case, Don's 34-year-old son is a registered sex offender who the Kingsport Times News reports pled guilty to sexual indecency with a child in 2007 when he was 19. However, this son was in Utah at the time of Summer's disappearance. But, since we're on the subject of sex offenders, there is one registered as living just under two miles away from Summer's house. I found an old article about his arrest from the Johnson City Press, and it looks like he was arrested in March of 2016 for charges relating to child pornography after someone found a thumb drive with the images on it and contacted police. In an interview Don did with WCYB, he talked about how the family was giving suggestions to law enforcement of things that they could look into, one of which was sex offenders. However, he said that he was told it had already been explored. By Friday, June 18th, the TBI reported that 41 different agencies had already assisted in the search and more than 100 agencies had contributed resources. They said that they had searched more than 1,000 acres. Within three days, they had followed up on 85 leads, but none of those leads resulted in anything. At this point, with the discussion of Don's domestic violence charge, his criminal record, the photos of the house going all around social media and the picking apart of the last known photo of Summer taken the day she went missing. The speculation in this case was on another level, and the TBI had to specifically ask that people only report credible tips, not speculation or rumors. The following day, the tip count jumped to 119. The weekend following Summer's disappearance was Father's Day weekend. And Don told Bianca Murray from WJHL, who has done a phenomenal job covering Summer's case, that all he wanted for Father's Day was his daughter back. He said that Candace was having a really hard time and that the boys had been fighting more than normal. So bad that during one fight, teams heard the boys screaming and came running up the hill. Throughout that weekend, the search continued aggressively, and even outside of their scheduled 8-8 to -8 searching hours, Helicopters were heard above well into the night and into early morning hours. Don was asked if he thought Summer was still alive, which seems really insensitive, but what the fuck do I know? Don said, I really don't know. Hopefully, yes. Depending on how bad or what's going on with her, there's always hope. Don's comments and frankly everyone's comments from the family or anyone close to the family have been scrutinized to the nth degree, this being one of them. I suppose the only thing people wanted him to say was, no, I'll believe she's alive until someone tells me otherwise because that's what they would say. But frankly, even being asked this question on the spot seems really shitty. It's pretty clear in interviews with Don and Candace that they don't really have a filter. They don't think of the perfect answer before they say it, and they don't have a representative speaking for them to the media. Because of their off-the-cuff, on-the-spot answers to damn near anyone who has asked them for an interview, every single thing that they have said has been overanalyzed to the point of exhaustion, including, but not limited to, their use of the past tense, 
So let's hop on that train for a minute and discuss usage of the past tense. Tenses are fucked up all the time, literally constantly. I can't tell you how many times I've had to correct tenses in this episode alone. Someone using the past tense could mean something, but it could also mean nothing. This family was used to Summer being with them all day every day, and now she's not. She is missing. Talking about her in the past and present tense would not be out of the norm. The incorrect usage of tenses is not the end-all be-all of guilt. Are they involved? Are they not involved? No one knows at this point. No one knows. By June 21st, WZTV reports that agencies from other states, including Ohio, Virginia, Alabama, North Carolina, and Georgia, had all assisted in the search for Summer, but even with all that help, law enforcement was more concerned and desperate than ever. They begged the community again to help them by searching their properties. Law enforcement said that they still had no evidence of an abduction, though it hadn't been ruled out and that it was possible that Summer wandered off and is afraid and lost. It had been six days at this point, and the searching had been endless, covering the same ground multiple times, just in case they missed something. By day seven, law enforcement had followed up on 221 leads, none of which led to anything. On June 23rd, the TBI did a roadblock in the area around the same time of day that Summer went missing in an attempt to speak to the people who pass through the area on a daily basis. I'm including this to show you how thorough this investigation has been and the links that they're willing to go to to think outside the box when all else has failed. In an interview the same day, Don told WJHL that he, Candace, and Candace's mother had all taken lie detector tests and passed them. The station says that they reached out to the FBI about this, who referred them to the TBI, but the TBI declined to comment. Because I'm sure everyone's wondering about the boys and their version of events, Don said that they had also been questioned after being taken to a special facility. Another press conference was held on the 24th, where a representative from the TBI said that they usually know within a few days where an investigation is headed, but that isn't the case here. It's as if Summer vanished, and regardless of the hundreds of tips that they've investigated, they're no closer to finding Summer than they were the day she went missing, but that wasn't going to stop them. The representative made it clear that the search for Summer and the investigation into her disappearance was still very much active, that the FBI was still involved, and while she knows the lack of answers is frustrating to the public, no one is more frustrated than they are. The sheriff spoke at the press conference as well and addressed the speculation going on on social media. He said that the social media detectives are absolutely useless unless they find Summer, that you'd be hard-pressed to find someone they hadn't already spoken to. And I think it's important that he said this. While it's easy to understand that everyone in the U.S. and even different countries wants to do everything they can to try and figure out where Summer is or what might have happened to her, this isn't a case where a department isn't doing their job. This is a case where now 106 agencies across multiple states have worked together to try and find Summer and figure out what happened. And while we've seen social media play an incredible role in some cases, like the Marlene Ochoa Lopez case, I'm not entirely sure what social media is going to do here 
that every other agency hasn't already done. Law enforcement was getting calls from people letting them know that they'd already searched an area that the caller was seeing searchers in again. They were very aware, and they were doing it for a reason. They were trying to be as thorough as possible with extreme attention to detail. The search leader made a point to explain to the public that this is a five-year-old girl who weighs 40 pounds. They're not looking for an adult. They're looking for a child who can curl up into the size of a legal piece of paper or a laptop. The extreme attention to detail needed to search the now 4.6 miles of rugged terrain around her house for a child who could fit into a space where you could fit a laptop is a huge undertaking, and they didn't want to miss anything. They finished the press conference by saying that Summer's family has continued to cooperate and asked again that people search their properties and specifically hay fields because it's mowing season and they need to pay attention. They also offered their services to anyone who felt like they couldn't search their properties themselves, saying that they would send officers out to search it for them and stressed that they needed the community's cooperation. To give you an idea of just how massive and intensive this search was and is, by June 26, WZTV reports that 1,150 searchers and 13,800 man-hours had been put into Summer's investigation in 11 days. Math is hard, but if there are 264 hours in 11 days, that's at least 52 people working per hour if they're working 24 hours a day. The tip count was now at 290, but none of them had led to any developments in the case. At this point in the search for summer, the investigation was still in full swing, but the searches were scaled back into specialized teams and they were looking to identify anyone who might have been in the area at the time Summer went missing to see what they might have seen or heard. This can be done through looking at CCTV footage, home security footage, trail cams, doing a tower dump, geofencing, etc. They did this and said that they'd spoken to everyone except for the driver of a red or maroon pickup truck that someone said they saw in the early evening hours of either the 14th, the day before Summer went missing, or the 15th, the day Summer did go missing. Law enforcement said that they didn't have the plate for the truck, but that it was possibly a 1998-2000 to 2000 Toyota Tacoma with a full bed ladder rack and white buckets in the bed of the truck. They put the information out to the public in hopes that someone could identify the driver or that the driver would see the media release and contact them so the police could ask what the driver might have seen or heard. They asked that anyone with information please call 1-800-TBI-FIND and stress that the driver was not a suspect but a potential witness. The emphasis that the driver was not a suspect fell on a lot of deaf ears and social media ran rampant with rumors and speculation of who might have been driving the truck and what ties they might have to the case. The anonymous driver of this truck was pretty quickly villainized. I saw one post where someone uploaded the photo of Summer asleep on the milk jugs and pointed out something red in the rear window, saying that it might be the red truck, insinuating that the red truck might have been following Summer that day. The red thing in the rear window was a red tote. That's it, but that's the danger of speculation. There have been very few times in this case where the police have specifically asked for the public's help in something, and they took a chance here. The police need to talk to this person. But knowing there's been all this public scrutiny about their ties to Summer's disappearance, how likely is it that they're going to come forward now? Days passed, specialized searches continued, 120 different agencies joined in the investigation, 
and more than 560 tips were explored, but by June 29th, there was still no sign of summer. Candace and Don spoke to WJHL and said that they think Summer was abducted, that someone came onto the property, grabbed her, threw her into a vehicle, and drove away, that Summer wouldn't go into the woods on her own because she knew about the bears, snakes, and coyotes in the area. Don told WJHL that they wish they could search the neighbors' houses and if not, get warrants for them. They talked about the extensive efforts the searchers have gone to to try and find Summer mentioning that they'd seen multiple of them limping during their searches. And to be honest, Don and Candace seem genuinely grateful when they're talking about these searchers and say that they've realized there are a lot of really good people in their community. They said that they don't recognize the truck in question, but wish the driver would come forward. They ended the WJHL interview by pleading for whoever has her to let her go. Don saying that he knows they're probably afraid to go to jail, but to let her go, to have mercy, and to not hurt her. June ended and July began, and summer was still nowhere to be found. More than 715 tips had been investigated, but the TBI tweeted out again, asking for credible tips, saying that speculation and rumors only make the investigation process more difficult. Law enforcement has to look into every single tip that comes in, For one, it could break the case, but two, if anyone is ever arrested for whatever might have happened to Summer, any defense attorney is going to look at the list of tips that came in and is going to want to see a reference to exactly what the police did to verify or scratch off every tip on that list. If a defense attorney sees that their client has been charged, but other tips in the investigation were ignored, there are going to be a lot of questions that the police might not have answers to, which can lead to a lot of problems in getting a conviction. On July 7th, WJHL reports that a young man in Kingsport organized a prayer circle for summer. The only people who attended were Candace, Candace's mother, a family friend, and two of Summer's brothers. They held hands, sang Amazing Grace, and prayed, and planned for another prayer circle for the following week. At the next one, 25 people attended, and one of her brothers led a balloon release for his sister. Two days later, there was a rumor going around that there was a suspect in Summer's disappearance. However, the sheriff told Bianca Murray from WJHL that that simply wasn't true, saying whichever way this goes with a suspect or she's lost in the woods or whatever, been abducted, whatever, everything's on the table. We're not just focusing on one thing because we have no reason to, adding that 99.9% of what people are posting and saying they have already looked into. By July 15th and more than 1,000 tips later, Don told WJHL that the negativity on social media, the attacks on my family, and the misinformation being circulated is not helping to find Summer. People on social media are only adding to the pain the family is going through. It's affecting my other children who are already hurting. Now it's escalating to threats and potentially putting my other children in danger. All of this adding to the workload for detectives and distracting from the real goal of finding Summer. Summer's own Sunday school teacher spoke out about being targeted herself, telling WJHL, They pick through everything you say and the way you say it, and even if your voice sounds a little shaky, that sometimes it's normal for us to be a little nervous when we're being asked questions. Over the next few days, there was a parade at a local event where the outlet reports Candace and Summer's Sunday school teacher walked a banner of Summer's photo in the TBI tip number. WVLT reports that EquiSearch Midwest came out to the Hawkins area, but it doesn't look like anything was found. 
Candace pleaded in an interview with the Rogersville Review saying, if you took her, just bring her back. You don't even have to tell me what you did. Just bring her back. Say you found her walking. I don't care. Just bring her back. That's all I care. She also told the outlet that she hadn't been in contact with the police for the previous two weeks and that they hadn't updated her about anything. However, she did tell the outlet that, according to her, the TBI didn't think that Summer had been abducted. The investigation carried on, and on July 23rd, everyone following Summer's case had a bit of a jolt when Summer's three brothers were removed from the family home. Don told the Kingsport News Times that it was because the house wasn't safe anymore, noting that trespassers, specifically mentioning amateur crime solvers and psychics, had been approaching the house and that they'd been getting threats on social media. No officials have commented on this. On August 11th, the sheriff spoke in a video posted by his office about how the case is still ongoing and nowhere close to being cold. The video has been clipped in bits and pieces across several media outlets, but the Kingsport Times News wrote a piece on the video where the sheriff had to once again address social media, saying, We're getting calls in our office and I'm sure the TBI is getting them and we're getting emails from people concerned about what's going on on social media and not true facts. That if they don't hear it from him or the TBI, it's not true. And he's right. For example, the TBI themselves had to release a statement correcting a rumor that was going around saying that they had found the red or maroon truck. That wasn't true. But with that rumor going around and being posted as fact, less people were keeping an eye out for that truck. As of today, Monday, August 16th, 2021, five-year-old Summer Wells is still missing. Law enforcement has not located that red or maroon Toyota Tacoma. More than 1,000 tips have been investigated, but there is still no sign of Summer. If you have any credible information about the disappearance of Summer Wells, please contact the TBI at 1-800-TBI-FIND. That's 1-800-TBI-FIND. WCYB reports that there's a $37,970 reward for any information that leads to her location or her recovery. As this case progresses, I will be sure to update you. For all photos pertaining to Summer's case, check out her highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. And meet me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we discuss her case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, or for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. I'll fucking wait. Is it a plane? 
Is it a four-wheeler? Is it a fucking UFO? Is it thunder? It's a helicopter. Nope, it's a vehicle. What the fuck is it? And where is it? I fought that burp so hard. Dun 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 dun. <laughs>